Happy New Year and welcome to Inspiration and Adaptation 2021. This weekly conversation explores Alaska artists' innovations in pandemic times, our resilience under planetary stress, and resistance to colonization. I'm Asia Freeman, Artistic Director of Bunnell Street Art Center in a place now called Homer, Alaska. Bunnell Street Art Center is situated within the, tri within the tribal lands of Nichiltana, Nanilchik village tribe, whose descendants trace their roots from the ancient Kechemak peoples and the Dena'ina and Supiak people of this region, who have sustained these lands since time immemorial. Chinan, Chiknik, Kayana, thank you. We are committed to partnering with Indigenous artists to resist colonialism and supporting Indigenous-led practices. Today, we are speaking with Emily Johnson, an artist who has been making and leading land acknowledgement for a couple of decades in her body-based work, a Bessie award-winning choreographer and a leader in land acknowledgement from the Yupik Nation in Alaska. I had a little glitch in my recording, so we're going to begin with a recent documentary um, that took took place at um, Jacob's Pillow, and this documentary explores Emily's work with her current project, Being Future Being, while in residence at Jacob's Pillow in November 2020. wonderful um, up here on Mohican, Agawam, Pocomtuk, and Nipmuc land, uh, dancing on their land with their trees and in the studio for the past 10 or so days. So we've been working on um, a piece called Being Future Being, which has many elements. This is just so one of the elements is the 
dancing choreography embodiment of of being in the future. Um, and, and last year, late last year, pre-COVID, pre-all of this, I just felt like we need that better future now. We just need to be in it. And so I want to create a work wherein we are in that better future. Um, and I don't know how to do that. So <laughs> have been thinking through that and dancing through that with Jasmine, with the trees here and with trees at East River Park, with my collaborators who are thinking through processes of collaborating with our more than human kin, with trees, fire, other beings, but really collaborating, not as in just sensing or listening, but truly collaborating and finding out what that technology of communication is and what we might learn about this future. beautiful space she's in. Yeah, look at this. Wow. Look at this gorgeous studio. Oh my god. Dancing and playing and like That is so wow. And then the view from here, I don't know if you can see that. I just <gasps> look out into trees and mountains. I've really been thinking about the circumference of the tops of the trees. So so I've been going out and trying to walk the pathway of the top foliage of the trees. When you actually try to walk the circumference of the, the widest part of the tree that like the trees reach, it's like you have to like climb up and over that and around that because it's really, really big. The care that a tree or a plant will give to its neighbor is invisible to us. You know, like we don't see how a tree will help a fellow tree that is struggling by redistributing the water to other trees. I just love that image, you know? Like care in that essence doesn't need to be acknowledged by anything else because that doesn't matter. It's just done because it has to. I see this as very like inward facing, sort of an intimacy that doesn't require any kind of recognition from us, <laughs> you know, um, that these supportive systems, it's almost like tree mutual aid that are not front, front facing. This play of subjectivities, right, between the tree as a being and you as a being. Um, what I what what I was thinking of is when you were talking about gathering the way that you know the this reconceptualization of are you part of the trees movement? The other way to another way to phrase that would be is the tree gathering you? Yeah. Right. In in those moments, like how and how is it gathering you um, through through those through the space between um, limb and root. 
specifically here at Jacob's Pillow, it's been, it's been a lot of like deep inner work. We've been working a lot with the trees. It's kind of taken like the pressure off of being future being off of just me, which is really nice because I think everybody kind of wants to get to a place of just being like the best you that you can be like right now and like living really presently. And I know for me, like, I definitely struggle with that and want that for myself. So it's really nice for me to just be in this piece and, like, be like, okay, be the future me that I want to be and start living that version of myself, like, right now. This came from thinking about the branches circling, understanding the roots circling, like it came from the form of the tree, the structure of and the it's tree. Alive. The structure of the yeah. tree taught us the form. Yeah. And then we're doing it, and then that gives you this feeling of your structure, which then I keep wondering, like, okay, as we go further with this thinking, because really, of course, what needs to shift is so many structures yeah. in our world. Yeah. The structures that that have have created the current future that we're in, which is yeah. not the one that we want to be in, right? It's so it's like, this. how do we shift that structure? There are 574 sovereign indigenous nations on this land that we currently call the United States. It'd be amazing to live under these sovereign justices and all systems, and that we like the depths of knowledge that we might then know land, place, and being. That's the future, right? That we want, that we're creating, that we want to be in. Something like coming across the signage up here that that notes that this um, was originally a farm. You know, it can seem um, we get so used to that. We get so we're used to conversation, but once you start to notice, like they're not benign. Like a sign like that is a violent erasure of thousands, thousands, and thousands, and thousands of years of culture and art and living and making and loving here on this land. We know now that we need to um, decenter the colonial narrative. To continue to go by a sign like that and think it's benign is actually reinstating that violence um, and causing it again, causing harm again, not only for indigenous people, but for any, any settler too because that's not the true narrative of this place. And so, like, that's the kind of, like, heart-opening, it's making me cry, that's the kind of, like, heart-opening undoing that needs to be met um, by all of us. And so I see something like that as an awesome opportunity, like, you know, the crew here can make a be another beautiful signage and they can work on what that language is with local indigenous folks and they can like start to shift 
that to that acknowledgement and start to shift the understanding. And so when people come here, they're not coming to a place that was originally a farm. <laughs> they're coming to a place that is and always will be uh, indigenous land. And that, um, you know, this beautiful place that is Jacob's Pillow that houses so much creativity and futurity in a body-centered making, uh, which is, which is, which is necessary and needed and beautiful. It can be in better relationship uh, with, with the actual land history and ongoingness of this place. We get trained as humans, right, to like pay attention to humans, you know. Not that there's a judgment about that, but I've been really wondering in creating this performance gathering or creating other gatherings, creating gatherings, being in gathering with the unknowable, with trees at the park or here, how do we change our learned attention toward the human? If you were to like think about the mapping that you're doing right now with um, the space and the mapping of the, the stars in the space, maybe this is, you're creating this sort of like star architecture. Like maybe that is the gathering that spreads in all these different kinds of ways. Maybe you're embodying like a gathering in relation with, with unknowable matter and the fact that it being evasive of capture and the fact that it is unknowable is the space of possibility. These are the territories or the places or the directions or the unknowns of this dance. Land, celestial, inside, outward, underneath. so beautiful. What a great way to transition back into our conversation with Emily Johnson. Benel is such a good good example of, 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 of thinking through and continually being in process um, and, and working in decolonizing ways. Uh, toward these better futures that we keep thinking of and, and really an artist-centered place that really um, respects where you are located and local community as well as Indigenous artists from across Alaska and beyond. So I'm just, I like, as we think about these structures and I always, you know, we, we think about what needs to be fixed and changed. I think it's also really good to, to also really look to places and people that are doing work well uh, and think about ways we can amplify and also learn from and, and yeah. Well, thank you for your acknowledgement of the work that we're, we're trying to do. It's an ongoing work. It's a, it's a commitment to constant learning, isn't it? To, to really, um, to be accountable um, to uh, Alaska's history, to be responsible, to be responsive to artists and really 
what that means, you know, leaning into artists' work, allowing artists to lead that work is really what it means. I'm so happy to have many artists with whom we've been thrilled to work together. Mariah Maloney from Homer, so great to see you, you know, in your dance and to, to, to bring your dance to Benel and, and of course, Rika and, and Nancy Lord and Hollis Mickey and many others, you know, present here today are people who have shared in this space where it's really becoming about learning together. It's really becoming about um, responding, I would say, to um, the, the possibility of creating the best world we can. And it's so deeply inspired by the work that you're doing, Emily, to, to listen, to really listen. So we were um, minutes ago, you know, trying to share this lovely short doc that was made by Jacob's Pillow about your residency there. And I wanted to ask you, you might've spoken about this and I might've missed it when I disappeared there for a moment, um, about what was going on. So you came to Jacob's Pillow to progress the work of being future being and, and you are doing that work in constellatory relationship with the trees and your environment, but looking around, you see these signs and remind us, because we're not gonna go into the video, people can do that on their own, but remind us what these signs said on the land that kind of sets up the crux of the issues that you're bringing forth in future being. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, Jacob's Pillow is, you know, it's on a gorgeous camp campus in the, in the Berkshires on Nipmuc, Agawam, and Mohican land. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's a it's a, it's 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 go, it's a gorgeous place, and and also the the uh, the, the the program and staff and everybody there is, uh, was and is so uh, uh, supportive and somehow made these bubble residencies. So we, my collaborator and I, you know, quarantined and they set up the testing with the doctor here in New York. And so we had our we could we could dance and we could work in 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 like like in old times, <laughs> close to one another and without masks. And it was just us on campus. And, um, and it, was, it was really a generative time, really wonderful. And then also on campus, there are these signs as you walk in um, uh, that say, you know, this was, this, this was originally so-and-so's farm in so-and-so year and et cetera, et cetera, you know. And it just like, it was such, like it really, uh, I had been to Jacob's Pillow campus before, but had not had not seen that sign. I was there once in night nighttime and hadn't seen the sign. And it was just so interesting to be in this like really like like you know that kind of space like when you're when you're hot and and, and it's like you're less like the this there's less uh, uh, solidness between you and the air. You know, you're just kind of like expanding and growing. It felt like that. It felt like we had been with the trees and we've been with each other and these scholars and like really like thinking and moving and like, like, you know, I was in the woods for the first time because I've been here in New York City, all of COVID um, and mostly. And uh, so it just felt expansive. And then it was like, we were like matched with the sign <laughs> that said this was originally a farm. Like it quite actually felt like that. It just felt like, and it just like stripped all that magic away and was just like, ah, oh, this again, 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 you know? And you just, I think what the point that I make in the, in the documentary is that, is that 
we get used to it. We get used to things like this. We get used to uh, uh, the, the the first thing <laughs> of of uh, as as my friend Andrea uh, Carlson uh, joked on the tweet recently. The first thing of colonization, right? Like. Uh, yeah, there was nothing here until it was a farm, and now it's this gorgeous residency. And so I just had a had a had a had a chat with with Pam, uh, the director, about about how that felt, and just about really the opportunity it presents to to make a good change. To um, they're they're already in relationship with with their local community, uh, local indigenous community, and and already have uh, people uh, who who they can start to begin a conversation with about, all right, like we've recognized this now and recognize that this is harmful and also not true. So 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 what what can the what can the change be? You know, and they can really start that conversation with people and and come into a um, uh, come into come into something that that maybe, I mean who knows, who knows what 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 people locally will want. Um, but it's really up to it is up to them because it is it is their land and and uh, I think that that will just bring everyone who comes to then Jacob's Pillow into a better relationship right yeah. with the place you know and a better relationship with 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 well reality and and with uh, with with um with the with the with the culture and the art and the history that has always been there long before that place was a farm you know and that's yeah. the generative nature of that place comes from that it doesn't come from the colonizing history um and so and and now actually you know after i left and probably many of you know the the theater there burned um and so now they'll they'll be rebuilding and and wow. i've talked with pam since too to say oh actually this like you could start this now in a in a really good way with local community folks, with local indigenous folks, like before the rebuild, start that conversation and and uh, there might be a different there might like something there there's there there will be will be different outcomes yeah. when when things are done in, in good relationships. That that fire yeah. is weirdly um, you know coincident and similar to the whole experience of COVID and how it's swept our stages and how it's affected performance, you know, internationally. And so if we could just pivot to the impact of the work that you're doing in a systemic way to build change, it's off of what is like a fire, you know, these times and to view um, the opportunity of um, creating new futures for performance um through the um through the lens of um reciprocity and respect um for uh, performance artists and the commitments that presenters make to artists when they contract um and then are faced with really challenging times where stages are closed could you talk a little bit about how your work as an artist has shaped this dialogue that you um found yourself in, in the center of for a while. And although, you know, there are many other people now who are working and leading that work, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, how um, being future being in some ways, being Emily Johnson <laughs> inspired creating 
new futures and that movement that's so powerful today. I mean, one of the, you know, when you come into a new year <laughs> and some people do resolutions and things, I don't necessarily do that, but I, I do try to um, kind of take, take measure of where I am and, and what I want to um, really be focusing on in the coming time. And uh, I won't tell you everything that I, that I was thinking about um, coming into 21, but one of them was justice for all beings. And, uh, and, and I, I mean, that's, it's not that that, I mean, that that's just, it's, it's, an, it's necessary. It is, um, it's necessary that we as um, individuals and communities, families, organizations, people that we create justice, uh, that we are in just relationships um and that we build that together and sometimes that does mean fighting like fighting systems and, and fighting oppressions certainly and sometimes it means creating something new um and and so then again we come into the possibility part right and 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 but actualizing some of those possibilities so i think that um you know creating new futures was really born of a time of, 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 of unjustness, <laughs> uh, artists uh, losing uh, their livelihoods, their um, commissions, their contracts, their opportunities, um, and together, um, you know, a group of us really just started to come together to think about and write about that. And, and as you said, there's a, it's, uh, there's a, phase two working group that's been working on that uh, for, for a few months now, and hopefully it will continue to grow. Um, but it was really, it was really, it, for, for me, the, the part that I wrote in that original document, Creating New Futures um, document was really about the possibility. Like, so faced with um, these uh, unjust uh, cancellations, and not to say that not to say that organizations weren't having a hard time, certainly organizations and presenters, everyone was having a hard time trying to figure out where funding would come from, what, um, what might happen. Uh, if we can all remember back then, we didn't know hardly, we hardly knew anything about COVID or about what would come in the next coming month. And so I think the initial rush of, of presenters, which was the result of canceling everything, um, I think that was rushed. I think that artists are people who can help us through uh, moments of crisis and moments of transition. Um, and, and so I actually at that moment was really thinking, of, oh, this is actually, I think this is actually dangerous to shut, shut, the, shut the ideas down of artists. I, I actually thought that that would actually harm our path forward. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the way that created that the way that I took the, the little section that I compiled for that co-compiled document was really about what what could have been the alternatives to those cancellations. Um, so I spoke with many, many artists across 
what's called the United States, um, as well as presenters, who some of whom were also working on alternatives to cancellations um, within their organizations and the programming. Um, but you know, as COVID, we all know it, it continues to um, to uh, uh, very distinctly distinctly highlight the white supremacist roots of all governing structures of this country, including our nonprofit systems um, and arts and cultural systems and, and institutions. Um, and so, so I think I think we have uh, both a responsibility, we have a distinct responsibility right now, as well as an amazing opportunity to, to drastically shift the way forward. To me, I really was a proponent of not reopening, of cultural institutions not reopening, unless there was a, a somehow a somehow a, a a proven or a, a somehow documented process that they were going anti-racist process that mm -hmm. that those institutions and organizations were going through. Um, uh, I, th I think there's still room and, and time to to do this. There's obviously a rush right now to uh, to 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 reopen in whatever way that means, even if that's on 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 digital and and Zoom. But I think that we do ourselves and our future generations a great disservice if we rush into a reopening without a reckoning with what happened, not only in the cultural sphere, but in 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 all in all spheres. Um, as we know, COVID has the the, the most uh, uh, deathly uh, effect on Indigenous and uh, and Black and other people of color. And our reservations and our small communities are um, being really, really, really uh, hard hit by COVID and by death because of the systemic um, inequalities that those communities had already been oppressed by. So that's what has to be, that's what, that's, that's what we need to, that's what yeah. we have the, the moral ethical responsibility to work on. Um, and I think, I think that the, the work of creating new futures and, and also the, the work of, of so many artists and stories and thinking is, is to do, is to, to push that. Yeah, it's, it seems to be, um, it's, it's, you've created an opportunity as a movement to reflect on the deeper work that is, it seems to be pervasive within BIPOC artists. And that is about thinking differently in relationship to land, in relationship to the structures that are built um, on or with or through that land. And, and in this moment, in this sort of fiery moment when the structures have, many of them have in a figurative sense burned down and some are just um, smoldering and some have little sparks where artists like yourself offer their, their light to a place um, like Pinnell, you know, we're really thinking deeply about that soil of, um, of uh, like, strategic planning and structure that will yield um, greater reciprocity within our, our, our widespread community. Um, I want to acknowledge again that there's many artists. Oh, go ahead, please, Emily, go ahead. We can be radical in that thought, you know, yeah. like, yeah. like to me, like um, 
you know, museums that still hold our ancestors and our belongings, you know, I think they should, I think everything should be returned. Everything needs to go back and then indigenous communities decide how and in what ways and what belongings and, and, and what artists are, are you know, represented. Um, if we even want to ever reopen a museum, you know, like yeah. that, like, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I love to encourage the, 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 the again, the possibility, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. You seize the opportunity to acknowledge that, that work. And I, I want to acknowledge that there's a lot of different artists and, and people engaged with institutions on this call and invite people to, um, you know, uh, share questions. Nancy asks if we can access the New Futures document. And I'll, I'll let you respond to that, Emily. I know that you can. It's a work in progress. But yes, thank you for sharing that link. Um, and if there's other questions that people have about this work, um, creating new futures, um, being future being, and Emily's work, this is a great time to, to ask. I just wanted to say how wonderful it is to be here. And um, Asia, thank you so much, Emily. It's, it's wonderful to hear about the processes, the experiences, and also just to be together in this time. I felt that way. Um, so ironic that being in a screen together can can really feel so intimate. Um, just wanting to say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad you bring that up, Mariah, and the ways that we are trying to huddle up you know, this, you know, we lean in to our screens and to these calls and spaces where we can connect. And that's doing something that's, that's certainly strengthening for me. And I think it's been strengthening to, to Benel and our, our community. But it also, you know, um, when artists share like little snippets, whether it's like that small dance that you did on the beach, Mariah, just, you know, quite recently, you brought us all down to the shore. Um, Emily, when you take us into the woods, and, you know, in Vermont, and we can be with you, something bigger is happening, something different that wasn't happening before. And I just want to, you know, uh, hand it to you for giving, you know, for, for really leaning into the new ways that we can um, connect and structure. It's a really different constellation, I feel like, that will emerge. And it's part of the new futures. Yeah. You know, it is. My, but Karen, we've been talking so much about the invitation. My, my, my colleague Karen McLeish, I mentioned earlier, like, yeah, the invitation, the, the invitation to gather, whether that's at the beach, in these Zoom calls, at a collective fire, or at your own individual fire with a candle, like what the the in the invite or to you know death to museums or to like what like what the invitation is. Mm -hmm. it's like, it's that, like we've been really struck with how much we're paying attention to the invitation yeah. in a different way. That's right. And sometimes, you know, especially in spaces like these, it's very funny when there is sort of or awkward a moment of silence. But that is when we are, you know, not being authoritative about like what the question is or should be and who should talk. There's a sort of leveling that's happening that um, really. Uh, gosh, it, it, when I was a child, my mother was um, interviewing indigenous Alaskans and those were slow quiet and really thoughtful spaces. There was a lot of silence that just had to do with letting um, thoughts form. 
And we, we need to make space for that. That's a structural change that um, is a quite a contrast to the fast clip of everything from editing and sharing and interacting, you know, in the society that, um, you know, has been our longstanding Western legacy. Does, if anybody else has a question or a comment, I really, you know, urge you to seize this <laughs> opportunity. Alex, um, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, I guess, um, so Emily, I'm so um, grateful to connect again. And, um, you know, I think you're bringing up some points that I, I think we, in the cultural nonprofit sector as a whole, I mean, this morning, um, my colleagues and I were on a two-hour um, sort of professional development moment about dismantling structural racism. And I guess I'm just really thinking though about how embedded it is in the system of cultural nonprofits, like how um, structural in inequity is just baked into the way that um, cultural nonprofits work and also how toxic it is because there's the illusion um that they're serving everyone or that there's like they're in service in some regard like it's feels more approachable to me um in a corporate structure because it's inherently it's, it's visibly capitalist it's admitting kind of those goals and i guess i just wondered a little bit about some of your more radical thoughts around what uh what that could look like what are what are options or um, or if there are models that you've seen or models you've imagined, um, I think is something that I'm curious to hear from you because- We lost you for a second there. Oh, sorry. There you go. Um, I, I think just the ability to see out of the existing model is something that um, I think we're there's such need for. And um, I'm just curious about ideas that you have or, um, dismantlings that you imagine. Um. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing that, I mean, what, what I really look forward to is, is figuring is, is in these, is in these conversations and others finding what those paths are. I mean, I, I certainly don't have any answers, but, um, but something that comes to mind, which which might relate, is um, I was speaking with somebody recently about uh, about an an ish about a let's see how do I set this up. I was speaking with somebody recently about a, um, a systemic issue that I'm having with an institution, and that I want to. Um, share the story of, and in the hopes of ending that, of like cutting ties with with that relationship, but also and 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 doing that in a in a way that is uh, protective and healthy for me and my collaborators, but also that could could be in service, right, to to the field, not as in a not as in a um, pointing fingers, look at what I think is bad that happened and violent and racist that happened, but look at what happened and 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 what is a 
what is a different kind of um, what what are what is a different what are what are some other what are again what are solutions what are what are um, uh, alternate pathways to prevent this from happening again to anyone else and also what could have been done differently to to shift this situation as it was happening and so I'm just thinking I'm thinking about that I'm thinking about so many artists who have these kinds of um, situations and stories that they have and or are experiencing and so I'm thinking of ways to bring maybe other artists into that conversation so that we're we're, we're sharing that that labor but then also it's it's um, bringing up more more uplifting more stories um, but part of that conversation we started thinking about you know the, the the power always lies really honestly within the institution within the the Within the structure, within the nonprofit structure or the for-profit structure, um, because the, the funnel of funding, however big or small that funnel is, that that's where that that funding goes to, and then there's this trickle-down funding to eventually maybe to artists or to the communities that different nonprofits serve. So you know, to me, I always think we're not really going to shift things until funders and also audiences stop supporting that system and stop supporting maybe the stop supporting that system and stop supporting institutions that continue unethical behavior so how do we how do we bring audiences into this gathering when when there's no show when it, when it's when it's about systems change how do we bring audiences into this process so they are really part of the voice too of um of of uh, of uh, not of not standing by and again not supporting unethical behavior, um, and and maybe 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 have have solutions or pathways or ideas um, for themselves too. And one thing certainly, one tangible thing certainly is that funders could actually stop that flow of money to institutions. I mean it could shift completely and radically that communities, and that's what was called for all summer, right? In black communities, that 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 black communities should have the resources to determine their health and their safety and their well-being. So communities, our BIPOC communities, mo most urgently, our indigenous and black communities, most urgently, our indigenous black and black people and artists most urgently are the ones who should be resourced to self-determine what is next for ourselves. And so I think if funders, yeah, that, that, that's one radical solution of, of, or one radical idea of mine is just if, if, if funders, uh, yeah, stop, stop funding institutions. Well, and it's, it is really changing what funders are funding. I'm just thinking about what's happened this summer with Mellon, you know, funding artist relief with McKnight lifting up indigenous artist residencies with Westaf, you know, creating the resilience fund to incentivize the focus on BIPOC equity within the programming of, you know, um, the nonprofits that they fund. So it, there's, a, I think the majority of money is still really grounded in, in um, old white systems, but it, it, but it is interesting to see, I think how, um, as you say, funders can sort of turn the ship by um, putting, by sort of offering these, these trade winds that are completely, um, you know, appropriate and refreshing in our directions toward um, 
equity and inclusion. That's, that is absolutely happening. And I know you've been really um, a part of that from, from the beginning of those dialogues because you've got longstanding relationships with really important um, leaders in funding who, are, who actually become thought leaders. You know, New England Foundation for the Arts, for example, and longstanding um, policymakers who are, who are shaping this mm -hmm. landscape. We just we need to um, to listen to the to the individuals and the communities that I was speaking of before. Uh, listen and know, and then follow through. Yeah. <laughs> right? And 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 I think we need to like a little bit sweep away this thought that this is a that this is um, like all those changes that you mentioned and the the the, the relief funds like all all highly necessary. But again, also like they were kind of, they're kind of, you know, they're a, a momentary right. aid. So, so, I mean, you know, how, how do we, how, I'm very interested in what is this future in which we redesign and we're in a different kind of, of systemic structure completely. Yeah. Even yeah. what I just said, you know about funders changing their their models that leaves the funders in place i think eventually probably that needs to shift and so what does that what 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 possibility creates there like you know we know that we take care of we we know that that mutual aid is 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 exists outside of systemic structures because systemic structures always monopolize and always corrupt mm -hmm those kinds of systems, right? And so, so that's why our, our, our kinship and our conciliatory um, relationships and practices are so, are so vital. Um, and I'm just, I'm curious about when those relationships are resourced and centered, like, and, and then really um, uh, listened to, yeah, what, what does, what, what further can that shift beyond what even what I can imagine at this moment? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Hollis, please share your um, question from Melissa Shaganoff. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm I'm glad to unmute and and ask it on her behalf. Um, she just texted me. Um, so Melissa is wondering if um, Emily, if you can think of a time when you had to explain to funders um, or institutions that they needed to give that they needed to extend some bravery and give power away. Maybe you can offer an example or tell a story. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for listening. <laughs> um, when they've had to extend bravery and give power away, yes. So two, two, um, two things come to mind. One is that I was on a Zoom call um, with um, uh, Maureen Knighton um, from Doris Duke. Is that right? Oh my gosh, my mind at the moment. Um, uh, and and they and and this was the this was the conversation. This was the conversation to um, and really around creating new futures because um, some funders uh, helped to support that process after it had begun. And we, I was really conscious, and we were really conscious as a group at that time to to <laughs> that that. To, to speak to this uh, with these funders to while 
we needed to accept support to also say we need you in this fight with us. So how can you how can you as a funder reimagine and and redirect your power, your resource, and do that in a, in a in a in a way that maybe you've never quite visioned before. And that of course the issue there is that every funder then has a whole board that has to also be swayed and shifted, right? So there's always there's always more, there's always a bigger power to be found, right? So it's not like talking with the director of a funding institution. They're usually ready and wanting to to make big shifts, but then they also have power structures that they're dealing with. And so, but so, so we've been having that, that conversation with some funders. And then I, I remember very clearly a, a, a really a, a great conversation with, um, oh my gosh, test of your memory. You know, when you're like standing next to somebody and you know them and then you're like, oh my gosh, your name is totally blank for me. <laughs> Susan from Mellon Foundation, we were this forgetting last name at the moment, but we <laughs> were in a long conversation about funding this process of developing a network to support um, indigenous performing artists. And, and we do have support, some seed support for that, that network, um, which is great. But it, was a, it has been a really ongoing and long conversation. I remember at one point in that conversation, and I was just really honest with her. I was like, I, I know that, that you have a process <laughs> within your foundation. Um, and you need to, you know, talk to those other people and you need to get this into that board meeting and you need to have that conversation and you need to vet certain things. And I understand that. But while you do that, there are people on reservations, young people who are committing suicide. There are people on in communities where I come from back home who are, um, who are um, missing, who are murdered, who are uh, being sexually trafficked. There are people who are being harmed because of the extractive industries that oppress uh, so many indigenous communities. Not that this network that I'm part of helping would fix those things, but our stories do. And so the stories, all of the First Nations and indigenous artists whose stories, whose dances, whose processes haven't been uplifted because that resource and that support has not, has not been there like in in this country as a whole like the longer that we wait for those stories the more harm gets done the sooner that we can bring the the, the, the those those stories those future stories those past stories those as soon as we the 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 sooner and the more fully and wholly that we can bring those stories in the way that artists want to bring them to to, to the to ourselves and our world and our people back home can see themselves reflected in different ways and start to be engaged in those healing processes and the ways in which that confronts you know old-fashioned and stereotypical images and ideas that that uh, that white supremacists have of indigenous nations and cultures and people and ways of being like that is a healing process forward so I had that conversation with Susan because I was like I understand but while you wait, this is the reality, um, and 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 it's and it and it's it's true. Yeah, you you are. Um, I want to acknowledge the kind of courage that it takes to speak up that way, and the changes that you're making, the ripples that that is having, and Melissa too. You know, um, yeah. uh, she is doing that work and um, 
creating change in that process, you know, suggesting that the table needs to be expanded, that more people need to come to the table, and that the job of curators might be to ask artists what they need rather than telling them how they fit into the designs that curators have is absolutely game-changing and really, truly relevant and important right now. So. And I want to acknowledge Melissa's further, Melissa's work, you know, within, within institutions, um, it's, that's such a, it's a, it's a challenge. It can be such a challenging um, place to be. Um, I, 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 I've been really thinking about that a lot this morning via a, another meeting that I was in. Um, you know, the, the ways in which, you know, for, you know, the ways in which, for example, our belongings and, and ancestors held within walls and cases and drawers and institutions. Um, more and more artists and others are being asked to um, activate or, 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 or be part of or be part of different ex exhibits. And I think that's a good, definitely a good first step. And as someone who's being asked that and being asked to, to be an activator, like, I also acknowledge that that's that's like a you know like I want to bust I want to bust the cases open and send everything home, um, and while maybe that is not quite possible yet, what can I do that is that is respectful and giving enough and and offering to ancestors to belongings what 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 I can and offering to audiences and and people coming in. The, the real the, um, the the I don't know the pain or the, the 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 reality of what it means to keep our ancestors and belongings in these kinds of holdings. Um, so it's a it's a that's just one example of being within an institution and, and like not being able to quite smash out of it, right? <laughs> but like wanting to, but like what? So and I just I know that um, Melissa does so much work um, that is really generative and and brings community in and also pushes out through the walls. And that I know that's also can be challenging. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, you know, um, the idea of the smashing cases and boxes, it, it, it reminds me too of just like the role, you know, I mean, every once in a while people get super frustrated and violence comes up, but when, when you speak about it, just to talk about, and Melissa has as well, talked, talked about the power of um, allowing elders to hold their objects, allowing people to share um, their stories and to make the repairs and to interact um, with, these, with these works that are held, you know, and, and totally um, sort of controlled by, um, you know, preparators and curators and separated in that way from um, the people to whom they originally belong. Uh, that's very powerful. I think those stories and, and hearing those stories are um, having an increasing impact. I want to mm -hmm. acknowledge that. <laughs> I really do. I've, been, I've, um, I've seen little kids up in Quinnahawk, you know, like holding on to the breaths and like putting up, up, um, up here and like checking out, you know, like just that, that too, you know, it's yes, it's, yes. it's, it's 
it's it's bringing bringing kids and 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 young people in into like that like tangible like connection you know yeah it's real yeah 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 emily thank you so much you've been really generous with your time today and to all of you who've stuck with us through the um <laughs> usual array of technical difficulties um reminding us that just staying connected and, and like being patient and continuing to listen and hold this space is, is such a powerful thing. Thank you so much.